0: Hello and welcome to the C21 podcast. It's the final day of MIPCOM 2018. The sun is out, the stands in the Palais are being broken down and the sound of suitcases being wheeled home is reverberating along La Croisette for another year. We'll be packing our own bags soon but first... A look back on the week's big news with c21 international editor richard middleton kids editor nico franks and senior reporter john elms welcome everyone thank you
1: very much hello yes. cheers good to be here
0: you've all been working hard reporting on the many many stories that we've been churning out during this market what have been the the highlights the sort of overriding story i
2: think of the market has been the end of all shine story and what's going to happen Lots of rumours, counter-rumours swirling about. We had ITV talking about it on Monday with Carolyn McCall, which provided a bit of insight into it. I believe you were there, John.
1: Yeah, and she actually spoke to a few journalists beforehand. And the thing that she said that it, said it would have been a ridiculous to have not looked at it. I mean, she, she even said that this, the, the shareholders would probably have might might have kicked off if they not uh, had, had looked at it. But they looked at the books. They didn't even get as far as price. And uh, although not going into specifics, she said that they. It just wasn't a strategic fit at that time to put in in a bid, although she did make the case that the adjacency of Endemore Shine's assets did align with ITVs. Of course, they would align with a lot of people's, I think that's one of the things that the key sellers for uh, Endemore Shine is that they have got some great assets. Now one of the rumors I heard is that if it's not being sold as an entire entity because some of the aspects people might not want. Uh, who knows, it might be asset-stripped. I haven't heard that officially from anyone. Uh, it's a lot of rumor mongering, but you know, you could see a lot of people wanting to pick up some of those prospects. So the big
0: story of the week in some sense is the fact that there hasn't been a big story around, around this. I think, yeah, there
2: was, a, there was a couple of weeks ago, I think there was a sort of assumption that by Mipcom this spot will be tied up and, and done dusted. But I think that the, the debt that End of Shine obviously carries is putting some people off. Um, We've got people like Liberty Global, I understand they looked at it um, and ultimately decided the, the, the sort of corporate fit of, of endemol Shine wouldn't really work particularly well with all three media, which is what, obviously, Liberty have got a 50% stake in. And I think, yeah, it sort of highlights the structure of endemol Shine. It doesn't make it perhaps very easy to integrate into another, into another company. So we've still got Banajay, who are, I think probably front runners at the moment, we've got Endeavour who haven't ruled <laughs> themselves out but people are dropping out now as opposed to sort of you know, coming in for for the, uh, for the company. I mean another rumour that was going around was you know, whether or not Fox might take bits of it back. The ultimate the payoff of it all one suspects will be job losses because whoever ends up buying it or whatever ends up happening to it they will you know, uh, get cost efficiencies and that means execs out the door generally.
0: But that's not happened yet, so we wait and see. Business as usual, it seems, at Endermol Shine, they also announced remakes, for example, of Broadchurch in China, and I think also there was an, an announcement as well about Big Bounce Battle, there. trampoline-based game show being remade by Fox as well in the US. So business is, as usual there, business as usual elsewhere in the market it would have been the the big sellers, I guess, in terms of the programmes that have made the headlines down here this time, Nico?
3: Yeah, the distributors have been uh, touting huge sales for shows like uh, Das Boot, Little Drummer Girl, so buyers hoping that lightning might strike twice after The Night Manager, and uh, the, the forthcoming HBO series My Brilliant Friend, which I think buyers were quite pleased to learn that it wasn't tied up by a HBO global deal, it was in fact being distributed by Fremantle. So that one uh, seems to be very popular. Extremely popular. Yeah, a
1: lot of people said it looked really, really beautiful. They I, I heard some disgruntled buyers talking about it in specific regions, though it doesn't have a global deal region by region where HBO is. <laughs> certain, certain buyers for public service broadcasters were a little bit annoyed because they thought that would be a fantastic showpiece drama that everyone they would go big in and I think you know that having had kind of showpiece dramas at previous MIPS where everyone's been going after them I think it's fair to say that there wasn't one in LA um, when I was when I was there in May and this MIPCOM, it's it's good to see that there is a really big showcase event that people are, are fighting over. It was an in, It's an interesting show as well
2: I mean I was talking to Rai's head of fiction Eleanor Andriati and, and she was talking sort of about what she was looking for and And that that type of show is a very Italian show, I mean, obviously it's uniquely Italian, but it's got that global sort of reach as well because it's universal stories, etc. And it's interesting, you know, again, public broadcasters are actually doing quite well in this environment. We've got BBC doing a co-production with Netflix. They're they're using the power of these big international companies like HBO, like Netflix, to to really get bigger budgets. And for their domestic markets, viewers have been treated to really top quality drama
0: without having to pay any more. I mean, it's it's a pretty golden time, I think. So Netflix ordered the BBC's upcoming adaptation of Bram Stoker's Dracula, which is being done by Stephen Moffat and, and Mark Gattis as well, the team behind Sherlock. Big news, uh, I guess also in the context of the fact that the BBC has been voicing concerns about the influence of, of the streamers, but on the other hand there also doesn't seem to be any shortage of deals that they're, they're doing with them. You were at the keynote that, that Tim Davey, the boss of BBC Studios delivered, what did he have to? To say about that.
2: He was very much talking about sort of the repositioning of BBC Studios, obviously they have merged officially in April. So you had BBC Studios, the production arm, and BBC Worldwide, the distribution commercial side of it merging together. Um, and he was discussing basically that the reasoning for that was to secure talent. So they were big enough and strong enough to get hold of talent turn stories around and turn ideas around quickly so it's I mean it, I was talking to Marco Basetti over at Banerjee and he was saying exactly the same thing it's very much at the moment about not necessarily doing massive M&A deals not spending billions on production companies um, because the prices of, of companies especially in the UK and, and the US are so ridiculously high it just doesn't sort of make financial sense much better to spend a, a portion of that money on supporting some really you know, creative talent getting them on an the overall deal or whatever it might be and, and sort of growing them organically and and Davey was saying that that's yeah kind of where they're looking to to go
1: yeah that was something that also Carolyn McCall mentioned a lot and and then Julian Bellamy um, on the stu- ITV studio side it's a kind of an accretive M&A you know they're investing in in the talent and the creatives that they have in the various regions that Particularly, it was mentioned about US scripted. She said she wouldn't, didn't think she'd buy a US scripted production company because you know it's high risk. You've got you know it's very expensive and the infrastructure, and the legacy. I think it was uh, one of her words. And and you know picking up picking up investment or, or stakes in companies where they are available available uh, seems to be the seems to be the trend for something like um, someone like ITV, which has you know you know in the last year. a number of those deals. Small-time M&A is is, is possibly the way forward for some of these companies.
0: I saw Morgan Wandell, Head of International TV from Apple. They're obviously here but not in in any great kind of public way. What about the next wave of digital services, the the SVOD players that we haven't seen arrive on the scene at the moment?
3: Yeah, there's a few waiting in the wings now. We've got the direct-to-consumer Offer from Disney should be arriving uh, next year. Walmart's going to get into the business as well, and Warner Media announced their streaming service uh, just in the the run up to MidCom as well. And obviously, like you mentioned, Apple, who have execs here on the ground, they've got their head of kids, uh, Tara Sorensen, here as well. They've already announced a deal with Sesame Workshop. So we're now starting to see what you know what they're investing in, what they're looking for, and um, it seems. Talent is the key, and track records, it, it's almost becoming a bit of a cliché to say, but obviously it's never been a better time to be a producer, it feels, and also to be a talent with a track record, because that's what these streaming services with huge budgets want, and doing deals with them also seems to be affording them a level of freedom in terms of creativity that they haven't really been getting previously, so yeah, good time for them.
0: There seems to be some, some growing speculation that Apple is going to release the content that it's been investing in uh, for free as a, a as a bonus if you like for for customers if it's uh, the things that it really cares about the most which is its, is its hardware that that would be a really significant moment I think for the industry if content is kind of treated almost as a lost leader or, or, or extreme form of, of marketing but apparently also that's one of the reasons why they're treading so Carefully, because it's one thing to launch a beautiful marketing campaign; it's another thing altogether to treat a ten-part series as a, as a piece of marketing as well. So I don't know if you've heard similar things being
3: said. It would fit in with what Ed Wells uh, from Sesame Workshop was saying to me uh, when I was trying to get as many details from him about the shows they're producing for Apple as possible. He didn't say a lot in terms of you know the the show titles, but he did say that it's going to allow them to reach you know a huge audience. So. Obviously, that fits in with the premium play, and that fits in with Sesame's kind of main goal, which is their not for profit. Uh, Sesame Workshop, so their whole thing is about you know getting content in front of as many kids as possible. So yeah, that would that would figure.
2: I think yeah, it's increasingly going that way. I mean, like you say, content is becoming a, a lost leader. It is for Amazon, it will be for Walmart. It, it's that's the way it seems to be increasingly going. And I've heard the same things as you in terms
0: of sort of yeah. Apple's gonna use it as a way to tie people into to getting their, their tech. Facebook, very much a public presence here, delivering the, uh, the keynote yesterday. Damon had a pretty major announcement as well. John, you were there for that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It, it follows on from what Nico was saying about, you know, con- wanting to get content in front of eyeballs uh, on there, and, and Facebook are no no different from that. They, I, they've repeatedly said that they, they're, they're keen to get content on their Facebook Watch platform which is their video platform which has had its global rollout. Uh, recently, it's been on, available in the states for a while. And this market, they launched three announcements of, of, of about unscripted content, including the, the, the Real World, which was an MTV format from the early '90s. I mean, it even predates C Twenty One, which is quite in, quite incredible. Um, yeah, so they're bringing about the Real World exclusively to Facebook Watch, an, an MTV format, which is one of the first reality formats uh, in, in the business, and it had very big success when it first came along because it was it handled topics quite sensitively which needed global airing and i think facebook are, are really making sure that that's that's part of the the new show in the sense that they they want social viewing they want interactivity they don't just want the lean back they want to have people discussing these things while the show's going on and inputting their own thoughts and ideas into the shows
0: well thanks very much for your thoughts john thanks for yours nico rich great effort from the whole team here in can we've probably put out around 150 stories from the market this time so do be sure to delve into the website and catch up on all of those if you missed any you can stay up to date by following c21 online on twitter and on mobile that's all from mipcom 2018 thanks for listening